waiting. It says in Psalm 16 and verse 6, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I'm thankful to the Lord tonight that I can say that uh, and mean it with all my heart. I was brought up in the northeast of Scotland, hence the strange first name. Now, I don't know what you found out about my name because I've never met another one called Christmer. So um, just to explain my first name, um, in Scotland we had quite a tradition, particularly in the Highlands, of double-barreled names. You get a lot of Jean Anne's and Ian Alistair's and so forth. But um, we also would, it was traditional then, way back then, to... Um, perhaps join two names. So initially, I was called Christine Mary after my two grandmothers, Christine MacDonald and Mary um, McLean. And then it became Chris Marr. I knew a Jess Marr and you a Christabel. So this was not uncommon uh, when I was a child. Uh, but I'd never met another Chris Marr, so please, please don't believe whatever you've read on the internet. I don't know what it means, but don't believe it. That's the simple explanation of my name. Hence the name Chris Marr, Christine and Mary combined. Uh, it's quite simple, really. And my testimony also is quite simple because I lived a very sheltered life. I didn't really have opportunity to go into the world or any such thing. An old teacher and a lay preacher in our area used to say, we bring our children up in the Highlands. This is going back a long time. It's not the same now. Uh, we bring our children up on three things. The Psalms, the Catechism and Porridge. And you know, I, you may laugh, but I got liberal doses of all three. Uh, when I grew up. In fact, I got them every day. And not a button of harm, it did me. Uh, I, it kept me extremely healthy because I was never off of school a day in my life, apart from the measles, much to my dismay. So I had, that was my upbringing. I, live, I went to a very conservative church, Free Church of Scotland. Uh, again, that has all changed. Uh, I, I wouldn't really be familiar with the church now. Um, but I was taught faithfully the gospel. I lived near a place called Culloden, where there was the last battle fought on British soil. Um, do you know, I didn't know that we were taught a very skewed and uh, romantic version of history in school. I had it all wrong. Do you know, I backed the Jacobites until I came to Northern Ireland and discovered I was batting for the wrong team altogether. But we were taught this romantic history, and my mother was called Flora MacDonald. So, therefore, of course, I had this wonderful uh, idea about Bonnie Prince Charlie and the Jacobites, which was a load of rubbish, really. But I knew the gospel, and I had a desire to be saved. And then a mission came to our village. I lived in a very remote and uh, quiet place, and... To say that in Northern Ireland, well, that's quite commonplace. Uh, you can go to a mission. There's been missions in this area, I'm sure, many missions held by different churches and different evangelists. 
But if I were to tell you that the last mission that was in my area, gospel mission, was over a hundred years prior to the mission I got saved at, you can understand that you're very privileged here to have the gospel and to be able to avail yourself of a gospel service. I wonder what you've done with that privilege. Have you spurned the gospel? Have you rejected the Savior? You're very privileged, you know, and you will give an account. Later on, I'm going to tell you a little bit about people who have yet never heard the name of Jesus. So don't neglect your gospel privilege. So at that mission, I heard the gospel. It was in a simpler version. Um, Our church was very sound, but maybe sound asleep, but it, it was just hard for a child to grasp all that I was being told. But then I um, heard the gospel simply explained. And so there was no drama. I just went home and as a child of 12 years of age, I knelt by my bed and asked the Lord to save me. And you know, he did. There was no flash in the sky. There was nothing uh, particularly dramatic happened. But the Lord gave me peace in my heart that he had heard that child's prayer, stumbling words, but he heard my prayer and he answered and he saved me. And then some time passed and I um, had a desire to serve the Lord. But I knew I needed some training, some Bible college training. And the only Bible college I knew of was Faith Mission in Edinburgh, which was, well, a couple of 250 miles away. So... I prepared to go to Bible college eventually. And that we had an interim moderator um, in our congregation at the time. And he came to me the last Sunday I was there. He never bothered, never acknowledged me before this. Now our church, remember, we didn't, uh, women didn't pray in public. Women didn't take any part in the services whatsoever. And he said to me, You're going to the faith mission, I believe. I said, yes. And he said, there are many in, you know. I said, yes. I know. And he said, we're Calvinistic. I said, yes, yes, I know. I hadn't a clue what it meant, really, to be honest. I'm still struggling with some of uh, my theology, but I knew that the faith mission was very different to the church I was brought up in. But however, I overcame that obstacle, and off I went. I went to the Christian bookshop and I purchased Louis Birkhoff's Systematic Theology and uh, that's what I gave. They didn't call it theology in Bible college. The guy was rank Arminian and he just told us, um, he he gave us doctrine, Christian doctrine, he called it. So I gave him Birkhoff, so I never really did that terribly well in that particular subject in college. And all went swimmingly, you know, my first year. Oh, I was getting on great. And then that's, things started to fall apart the second year when I met Morris. And uh, that was, uh, that's another story. Uh, there was a, um, in our Bible college, you'd have got, uh, if you were in a little bit of bother, you got a thing called a PI, a private interview. And I never had a PI in my first year. And I was in and out of the matron's office like a yo-yo <laughs> after I met 
your man here. <laughs> but, however, again, that problem was surmounted. You see, my testimony, uh, how I was saved, and my, a very sheltered background, there was no drama in my testimony at all. But I can assure you, my life serving the Lord has been anything but dull. There's nothing dull about serving the Lord and nothing monotonous about it either. And so the Lord brought us through Bible college and we trained in CEF in Switzerland and we sought to serve the Lord. First with Morris's home church in Hillsborough, um, a free Presbyterian church where missionaries there with our church in Hillsborough. And then Morris went into the ministry. And you know, we've been privileged to serve the Lord in many lands, to teach boys and girls, uh, to tell them the, the story of the gospel. And we've been privileged, amongst other things, to be couriers, Bible couriers. That means to uh, take Bibles into a restricted country. Now, the, we were not breaking the law technically. Uh, as foreigners, we were allowed to bring a Bible to a friend. Now, we did bring caseloads of Bibles uh, with us. And so the Lord blessed us uh, in that ministry. It certainly w would raise your blood pressure and your heartbeat uh, going through customs and immigration. Because in this particular restricted country, things are very uh, random, could you say? You just never know. What works today may not work tomorrow. Everything, you just never know what's coming next. And I remember standing in the Cubans, because you, generally you go in a small, little, a small group and, um, to deliver these books and Bibles, these Bibles. And you're really on your own, though, when it comes to customs and um, immigration. Because then it means if you're detained, the rest can go on and not everybody is detained at the one time. And one of the occasions I was detained and I, my case was brought out and sometimes, it depends on the, the customs officer, they can take half a dozen Bibles or they can take almost the whole caseload. And uh, of course you're maybe also wearing a backpack and that's full of Bibles. And this young um, customs officer, this is a busy, busy crossing. 250,000 people cross this particular border crossing every day. And this customs officer, a young lady, um, came over. And I opened my case, and she looked at it. And she started to do this. And I thought, what is she doing? Has she lost the plot here? And she's doing this, rubbing and stroking the Bibles. Beautiful Bibles, brand new. And she whispered to me, beautiful, beautiful. And then she looked at me and she looked round. Remember, this is a police state. And she looked round and checked round her and she whispered to me. She went like this. Sister, she was saved. Now she had to do her job, otherwise she would lose her job. And she took so, some Bibles from me. And I never saw her again because it's so busy and there's so many um, 
many officers there. And so uh, I met even there in that hostile environment, I met a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Another lady was an extreme Bible hater and she stopped me and she mocked and laughed and said, how much do you get paid? And I said, nothing. And why do you do it? I said, to bring this, I want the, the people of your lovely country to have the word of God. But sometime later, I was speaking to another brother and he said to me, you know, I have spoken to her and she, she completely softened and he said, I'm praying for you. Her name was Helen and she was the same name as his wife. And the Lord touched that woman's heart and softened her even to the things of God. And so uh, the Lord has brought us through many wonderful experiences. Just one more from this restricted country. Morris and I found ourselves very, very rarely were we working together in this. We always worked. Um, we seemed to always work with just with others. But in this particular occasion, because we were going to stay inside this country for a day or two, uh, we were together. And we found ourselves in a busy underground station, train station, and because the mass of people somehow or another we got separated from our group and from our leader well that's not too bad but just consider that um, we had we did not know the language we could not read the signs we did not know an address we knew where we were going but not the address because everything was in code we were going to salt, light, hope, whatever. We knew where that was and how many trains and whatever to take, but we did not know the address. And as we came up to the train, another train came in. It was so busy. Imagine Lon London Underground 10 times uh, magnified. But um, there was another brother from the USA I don't know what happened. Did his foot slip down um, off the platform? But he fell into the train. And then somebody hauled him up. The doors closed and the train went away. But here was sitting on the platform a case. It was full of Bibles. And so uh, Morris already had a case and a backpack. And I had a case, I usually took a smaller case, it was hard work and it was very hot. And um, now there was a case, an extra case, and a case I could not lift. However, we sought the Lord and he heard us. The Lord says, before you call, I will answer. And where you're yet speaking, I will hear. And I can testify here tonight and say, that's exactly what the Lord did for us, he heard and he answered. Because you did not want to draw attention to yourself or to, the, to your case. But the Lord heard and answered and we got them delivered. The last time I was in that country, I had a, a case with 
the most beautiful green, dark green Bible with a gold script and it looked Arabic. And I said to somebody, I've never seen these before. What are these? Now listen carefully. These were for the Uyghur people. You've heard about them on the media, on the news. They're a group of ethnic Muslims, Islamic by tradition. But God is moving amongst these people. Now these were not Bibles to evangelize. These were Bibles for believers. God is moving amongst these people. Yes, they're being persecuted. Yes, they're being held in, in uh, camps of re-education tonight. But God is moving and saving souls. Do you know, there's people tonight and they're praying for a Bible in their own language. A congregation this size, there's meetings where there's maybe one Bible. How privileged we are. In the particular country I'm speaking of, it is illegal to, to evangelize or to preach the gospel to children under 16 years of age. It's against the law. Yes, the Lord is working and the Lord is saving souls. Even in the high, the low, the rich, the poor, God, just because we don't see much happening in this land, but God is moving and he's saving souls. What does God say to us tonight? Son, daughter, go work today in my vineyard. Now that may be to pray. Will you pray for those who are waiting for a Bible in their own language? Will you pray for those who translate? Will you give to enable those who do go? Or will you go, young people? Will you serve the Lord? It'll not be an easy road. David said um, when he purchased some land, he said, I will, therefore will I, I'll not offer to God a sacrifice which doth cost me nothing. Yes, it will cost to serve the Lord. But oh, the joy, the privilege to be able to serve the Lord. Will you pray? Will you give? Will you go, young people? Will you go and serve the Lord today? It says also in the Psalms, um, just a verse, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? Yes, we're privileged. We're truly privileged and blessed. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I was sitting in a van, I'm finished. I was sitting in a van in a restricted country. The person sitting beside me worked full time, Bible courier. On the weekends, his wife uh, spoke to ladies, had a ladies' meeting in their house. And then on the Lord's Day, he had a meeting in his house. And he, we were sitting in the van waiting. We had boxes of Bibles in the van. We were in the, 
restricted country. And um, he was sitting with some books and he'd been studying for his message on the Lord's Day. And then he put the books over and we were sitting chatting. And then it went deathly quiet. All I could hear was my heart thumping. We were sitting waiting outside a train station for some other Bible couriers to come to collect their Bibles, to put them into boxes, to prepare them for shipping further within this country. We waited and we waited and it went deadly quiet because a policeman came and sat on a bollard right at the end of the van. I could nearly put my hand out and tap his shoulder. And this other brother and I, it, it just we were lost for words and we were so afraid. He'd already been deported. And Morris said to him, what did you do? Oh, he said, I changed my name and came back. He came from South Korea. And he said, once you're called to be a missionary and you leave, your home church sends you out, you never, never go back. You're expected to serve the Lord for the rest of your life. But he went deadly quiet and I knew it, it was bad for me, but it was worse for him. And then I thought any minute the people are going to come out of the train station and we're all going to be scooped and it's not going to be good. And then he very casually got up, stretched and started to walk off. And he disappeared. And they came out of the station, we got the Bibles and off we went. Before you call, I will answer. Yes, the Lord is faithful and I can uh, testify tonight that when you serve him, you lack for nothing. He provides. Now, he doesn't uh, provide things you could call your greed, but he provides for every need, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And I thank the Lord for saving me and for calling me to serve him. It's a joy to serve the Lord. Could I encourage you? to do the same, where the, where, even at home, whatever capacity in your home church or even